0: If we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Those words of St. Paul remind us of that great mystery of the Christian faith, that it's only in tasting death that we truly begin to experience life. He uses the recognition of our own baptism, of how we were buried with Christ, The imagery in the early church, particularly uh, evident of being fully immersed in water, that you were literally buried under the water in Christ and rose up to new life. Only through death does one taste life. Think of also the story that our Lord calls to mind, that unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains a grain of wheat. But unless, if it dies, it bears great fruit. So death brings life. The Lord shows us this in the highest form by his own death and resurrection. When his death, to the eyes of the world, seemed to be the end of his story, he rose from the grave, conquering death by death itself, and won eternal life for himself and for us. So it's only by death that we gain true life. And it's only by allowing ourselves to die the daily death that we come to experience the life of Christ fully alive within us. And that's what the Lord speaks to us today. He's not simply calling us to, to not love our fathers and mothers, to not love our sons and daughters and friends and these sorts of things. He's calling us to love him more than everything else. To be willing to sacrifice something else for love of him, for the sake of his kingdom, to let nothing come before him, which involves a death to ourselves. Because everything within us wants to, to to do our own will, to seek our own loves, to fulfill our own desires. And yet the Lord says, If you find your own life, you will lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you indeed will find it. So He invites us to die to self. And we see it particularly in the first reading in the gospel, that the Lord invites us to that daily death that is generosity towards others, to give to someone else. Not because we get a reward, but simply out of concern for the other. Charity. Love. In Elisha the prophet, we see the story of a woman who was without children. To be one without children meant you didn't have anyone to care for you when your husband eventually passed. Usually the men were a good bit older. And it says that the husband was getting on in years. It's a nice way of saying it. So it was getting on in years and she was without a child. To be without a child meant that whenever one's husband died, the, the, the breadwinner of the family, there was no more income. There was no more, what? there was no more care. There was no one to take care of anything. And so essentially, if you didn't have a family, you didn't have anything, especially if you were a widow, you were utterly reliant upon the generosity of others because you could do nothing yourself. That was a society of the day. And so, Elijah the prophet, coming to their house, he recognizes the generosity that they show. He recognizes that this, this husband and wife, they come, and not because they're trying to get anything out of the deal, not because they're trying to coerce him into doing some particular miracle, just because of their concern for him. They set up a place in their home. They give a portion of their own personal space. They give up some of their time and some of their money to be able to make it a suitable place for him to come and stay. Charity. Death to self. The next time Elisha comes, he stays in that place which was prepared for him. And at the end of his day, as he's about to depart, he says, Is there anything I can do for them? And the servant says, Yes. (laughs) Did you notice the exclamation point at the end of that? Yes. (laughs) Yes, there is. They're in great need. She longs for a son. And he says, Bring her here. And so she comes, and he says, Next year, when I come by this time, you'll have a son in your arms. It's the will of God. She wasn't asking for that. She wasn't seeking it herself. She wasn't, again, trying to coerce him, uh, trying to, to use her generosity as a way of kind of getting her will done. She simply gave of herself. And in the end, she was rewarded for it. Indeed, that's the way the Lord works. He shows us the same in the gospel. As our Lord comes and he reminds, he's speaking to the apostles specifically. The apostles, the 12, not just a, a generic large crowd, but he's speaking to the 12 and he's speaking about the rewards that come. He says, Anyone that receives a prophet because he's a prophet will gain a prophet's reward. Anyone who receives a righteous man into their home because he's a righteous man will receive a righteous man's reward. And if you even give up just a, a, a little cup of cold water, a disciple because they are a disciple your reward will not be taken you will have your reward and it's this reminder that Jesus gives to the 12 that as they go out to be able to acknowledge the generosity of those who give to acknowledge the fact that when generosity is shown on behalf of the faithful that they take part in or drawn into the life and the ministry and the mission of the one that they serve that 's why you serve a prophet, you get a prophet's reward, a disciple, a disciple 's reward, a righteous man, a righteous man 's reward, because you become a part of them. you become a part of their ministry it 's a recognition that without this act of kindness that has been shown to me, I may not have been able to continue on in the rest of what lies ahead, but on account of the generosity that has been shown, you too have the fruits of all the work that is to come. And so, when generosity is shown To a member of the church, we join in their mission. We join ourselves to them, but not just to them. We join ourselves to Christ. Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. To unite ourselves in generosity to a member of a member of the body of Christ is to unite ourselves to Christ. To be brought into the life of God. Why? Because we show charity. We show love, and God is love. He brings us into Himself because of our actions. What a wonderful gift. And so today, I want to invite you to do something a little different. I want to invite you to give me a gift. That's right, I'm asking for gifts. When you come to be able to recognize, we don't have that many prophets roaming around from place to place. We don't have Elijah's and Elisha's roaming the streets back and forth. We don't have the apostles so much. We do have the bishops, their successors in the church today. But in the local church, a wonderful place and a wonderful person to give a gift is to the priest. Because in giving a gift to the priest, you join in the ministry and the mission of the priest, and also as rewards. As Father Cleo would often tell me when I was younger, and he would talk about his life as a priest, he said, The pay isn't necessarily good on earth, but the heavenly benefits are out of this world. <laughs> the retirement is great, right? And it's the reality the retirement is great. And so it's a reminder that to the extent that we join ourselves to the ministry of the priest or the ministry of Christ that continues to work in the church, we continue to draw ourselves into the life of God. We're drawn into heaven. And so, I want to invite you to give me some gifts. I've got ten ideas uh, that I may propose to you as gifts that you can give to your priest. If you're not a parishioner here, feel free to give to your own priest. You will not be upset, I do not believe. But to be able to pray about it and consider which of these, whether one or more, the Lord may be encouraging you to make a gift of yourself, to die to self, that the life may come forth from it. The first thing is to pray for me. About a month ago, I received a spiritual bouquet on the anniversary of my ordination, and I, I make a general rule to myself, I only cry about once a year. Uh, so I'd already met my one-year one year quota for crying, so I couldn't cry anymore. But if I had still time to cry, uh, I would have at the sight of seeing the number of prayers that were being offered for me. It was a little box that whenever you a – little, a little treasure chest appropriately that when opened, <laughs> the prayers popped out because there were just so many. And what a joy and delight it was to sit in front of the Blessed Sacrament and to read of these prayers that you have offered for me. It was humbling and it was encouraging to be able to know of your prayers. It's the greatest gift that you can give to a priest, hands down. If you want something for him particularly, pray for him. And to let him know you're praying for him. A wonderful gift. A second thing one might consider making a gift of self is to sit near the front of the church. We're just getting started with the button pressing, (laughs) y'all. To sit near the front of the church is a wonderful gift because the priest lays down his life for his family. The priest lays down his life to be able to be of service to a particular church family. And to have the family sit in the back of the church is sometimes discouraging because it seems like your family doesn't really want to be near you. And we all know that that's not fun. (laughs) You want to be involved with your family. You want to be close to your family. And the same with the priest. The priest desires his family to be close. But not just so that he can be close to them, but even more so that they can be close to Christ. To draw near to our Lord. To sit near him. The third thing one may offer as a gift is the gift of your voice. To sing. To sing. The Lord gave every single one of us a voice to sing. And I know sometimes we like to make the excuse, Father, when I was, when I was in school, they had to sing for the choir. And the choir director said, son, you just sit there and open your mouth. But don't sing. Don't say a word because you'll ruin it all. I know we got a couple of birds like that in the choir. But the simple fact is that doesn't matter. Because if you have a hundred people that sing, even if every single person is off key, if a hundred people sing, it's still a beautiful noise. It's an incredible thing. Even if every person is off, it's still beautiful when it's all together. So to open your mouth and sing. Last week I was reading an article on that reality that singing actually changes us. Firstly, the more you sing, the better you sing. Just like any muscle in your body, the more you exercise it, the better it gets, the more toned it gets, the more control you have over it. So the more we sing, the better we sing. Is that not encouragement enough? But then secondly, it also changes our physical makeup. There's a recognition that in singing, something happens in the human body that chemically it changes our brain. Singing physically makes us happy. What a perfect place to be happy in the presence of the Lord. So sing. Sing with all your hearts. The fourth thing that one may make as a gift to one's priest is to look interested in the homily. I'll admit it, it is quite discouraging to look out from time to time. And here I am having prepared a homily and here I look out and someone's sitting there reading the bulletin because the Announcements are more exciting than what fathers say in that particular weekend. That's not encouraging. <laughs> John Michael Talbot, uh, for those of you who are here and, and were able to make our parish mission back in the spring, John Michael Talbot, he said, folks, you want a shorter homily? Smile at the priest. <laughs> and when he said that, everyone laughed, the same as we did, but it was true. I was sitting in the back and my brother priest who was sitting next to me he said, you know, he's right. Whenever you enjoy, whenever it shows that someone enjoys the homily, you tend to not have to continue to beat him over the head with the same thing cuz you recognize that they actually heard it. They took it in. And so it's a joy to be able to look out and to see a, a congregation who's engaged in the homily. It's not to say that every priest is good at giving a homily. It's not to say that every homily is super exciting or engaging. But at least make him look like it. It helps. The fifth thing that one can do as a gift to your priest is increase your tithe. Like I said, I'm hitting the buttons today. So to consider making an increase in your tithe to the church. Now we can go through the whole litany of of all the different reasons. And I don't like talking about money to begin with because whenever it comes to the church, one of the main things that people often get frustrated with is it's all about money. Money, money, money. Give us money for this. Give us money for that. Y'all, we got two collections today. That's the reality to be able to run a church, to be able to do the things that we do, it requires money. And the simple fact is, although I don't like asking for it, I'm going to. Because, ultimately, it's only to serve you better. You could put two cents in the collection plate, you could put two million dollars in the collection plate. My take-home pay actually doesn't even change. My pay is determined by the diocese, so whatever's whatever. So every penny that you put in more goes to serve our parish. Every bit that's given is to be able to take care of those who are in need, to be able to serve those who are thirsting for faith, to continue to build up for the future for our youth, for our parish, to be able to to serve those who are elderly, to to, to be able to make use even more so of the wonderful gifts that we have in our community to spread the good news of the gospel. That takes money. So maybe to take a moment to take some time and to consider how you approach tithing in general. Sometimes tithing is just whatever happens to be in my pocket or in my purse or my wallet, that's what we give. But maybe to consider making a generous gift, a sacrificial gift, maybe being more mindful, more, uh, more intentional about one's giving to the life of the church. Again, a wonderful gift to be able to be of service in the community. The sixth thing is to participate in the life of the parish. And I would say particularly in the form of the liturgy. We have always need of more people to sing in our choir, to lead music, to be able to serve at the altar, to serve as Eucharistic ministers, to be serving as, le- as, as lectors or readers, to help even just with the, the general maintenance of the, of the facilities themselves, with the altar society. So many things, and that's just the liturgy. That's not to say our religious education programs and, and various outreaches that we do. To make a gift of ourselves in those ways is a wonderful thing because it brings us into the greatest of truths, the greatest of realities, the mystery of the liturgy, the mystery of being drawn into Christ. The seventh thing one make as a gift of self, and this one is particularly for the parishioners of this parish, but it may, it may have uh, other options elsewhere, kind of apply to yourself, is the encouragement to sign up for the parish subscription that we have on formed.org. The website formed.org is something that we as a parish have paid for to be able to have um, basically resources for us to be enriched in our faith. It has Bible studies, it has faith studies, it has weekly reflections, it has individual talks on 100 topics and more, free books, free movies, free everything. We simply have to take advantage of it. One of the things that I've personally been frustrated with is that until now, the, to be able to access all of that content, I had to be at my computer, at my desktop. That accessing it from the phone wasn't really, wasn't really an option. It, kept, it was all kind of problems that i was having with it but just this week they announced that they're releasing a phone app so the app now exists you can go to the the app store or whichever you use and download it and have all of this content right at your fingertips wherever you find yourself videos audio books and more free for the taking to allow ourselves to be nourished in the gift of our faith It wouldn't be a list without mentioning the Sacrament of Reconciliation. So, number eight, go to confession. I can't say it enough, because it's the most important thing that we do. Jesus Christ came to this world to do one thing, to save us from sin. So if there's one thing that's most important for us to do, is to take advantage of the places that remove sin from us. And where is the place par excellence that does that? Confession, confession, to allow the Lord to come to you once more and to forgive your sins, to take them away and to heal your soul. There's no greater gift. Number nine, one may make a gift of themselves by stopping by the church to pray at some point during the week. We usually have the church here uh, closed during the day. I know some keys are floating around uh, for various, various parishioners. So if you're looking for someone to be able to open up the church for you to come pray, I'm sure we can find someone. St. Anne usually is open from sunup to sundown seven days a week. But either way, to simply come and to stop by a church or a chapel, to pray with the Lord. You don't have to bring a book. You don't have to bring a rosary, You don't have to bring anything. There's a wonderful man, St. John Vianney, it recounts of how he in his own little parish church, each day he noticed that a man came in towards the end of the day, he would put his, his pitchfork or whatever his instrument of, uh, of need for the day was from his farming, he would put that on the door right outside the door of the church, and he would go in and he would just sit there. He'd sit there for a good long while. And eventually one day St. John got curious about why this man was doing this and what exactly was going on. Was he just kind of taking a break? What's happening? And so we caught him at the end of his time of prayer. He was, he was walking out to the church and he said, He said, Sir, can I, can I just ask, what is, it, what is it that you're doing here? What is it that, that, that brings you here? And he said, Well, Father, I look at him and he looks at me. That's prayer. <laughs> I look at him and he looks at me. You don't need anything more than to come and to sit and to rest in the presence of the Lord, to love and be loved. A wonderful gift. The tenth thing one may do as a gift of self is to make an an intentional point of doing an act of kindness for someone at least once each day. I started trying to do this a few years ago when I was in my, my previous assignment and all the ladies in the office thought I was crazy. Because I would announce it verbally when I had done something nice. And I committed myself to doing it at least once each day. So at some point I would, you know, I would recognize that this is an opportunity for me to put my will and my desires on the back, on the back burner and to put someone else first. And whenever I would do that, that act of kindness, whatever it might be, large or small, I would come in at the end of it and I would go, Alright, did my good deed for the day, I'm done. And they would look at me as if like, yeah, father, leader of the community, one good deed, good for you, you know. But it was a reminder something verbal to remind myself at least one thing a day, at least one time a day to put someone else first, to allow myself to be last, at least once a day. Again, it doesn't have to be big things, small things, but a wonderful gift of generosity. Now, in naming these 10 things... It's a starting point. There could be a thousand others that we could branch off and talk about other things. But the simple reality is that all of these are wonderful gifts that you can make to your priest. He will not be upset with any of the ten. I guarantee it. And the simple reality is if there's one of these that really makes you go, I don't want to do that one, do that one. (laughs) You know why? Because the greater the death, the greater the life. The greater the death, the greater the life. The more I put myself to death, the more that thing is, is very strong within me to, come, to, to push back against whatever it is, the more I do it, the greater the grace. The greater the death, the greater the life. So allow ourselves to be put to death, to let our will go last. Our dreams, our hopes, our desires, to be able to put that on the back burner and to allow Christ to be first. And amen, I say to you, You will not lose your reward.